I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondence from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for Sunday, August 18th, 2013. And tonight, we will still not be discussing the 2016 presidential race because it's still 2013. Mm -hmm. Even though Hillary, Chris, Frothy Rick, and fake libertarian Rand are all clearly already running. Mm -mm. We will also not be discussing Frothy's refusal to admit that there is a middle class in this country. But yes, Frothy, despite the best efforts of you and your non-class-based, radical, plutocratic party, there is still a middle class. Though, judging from Walmart's most recent stock market stalling sales figures, they aren't doing that well. Thanks for that, shithead. Mm -hmm. In entertainment news, we will not be discussing the preemptive lawsuit musician Robin Thicke was forced to file against the estate of Marvin Gaye in the face of multiple claims from Gaye's successors that Thicke's summer hit single, Blurred Lines, quote, feels and sounds the same as Marvin Gaye's got to give it up. If, and I quote again, feeling and sounding the same as a prior hit song constitutes a solid basis for a legal claim, then every pop musician of the last 30 years should have spent their every waking moment inside of a courtroom. You can sue someone for stealing your work, but you can't sue them for being derivative. If you could, we would never have any new shows on network television. Which might not necessarily be such a bad thing. Anyway... Despite the fact that we here at the Dinner Party Show remain appalled by Russia's recent retrogressive anti-gay legislation, and despite the fact that we are firmly on the bandwagon to move the Olympics to Vancouver, where people can be safe, we refuse to stop discussing the rampant and continuing anti-gay sentiment here at home. Mm -hmm. While we are thrilled to the boots that in our home state at least, and in a few others, gay people actually have a lot of the same rights as other American citizens, it isn't universal, and until it is, it isn't over. The bashing continues on the political stage and on the streets of our neighborhoods where, just like in Russia, sexually confused closet cases take their personal conflicts out on innocent gay people legislatively and physically. Just as a footnote and a reminder here, the only people spending time thinking about gay sex are gay people. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. So, if the only purpose of your family foundation for the Foundation of Families is to talk about gay people, it means you are gay. <laughs> 
Not gay in a negative Pete Wentz kind of way, but in a biological, clinical, technical, taking it up the butt or winning at Dinosaur Weekend kind of way. So how about join Manhunt, a golf league, or get a grinder account and leave the rest of us out of it? Talking to you, Frothy. I don't play golf. We will also not be discussing lists. Any lists that were posted on the internet this week on any topics whatsoever. That includes 10 ways you can be a better lover. 10 ways you failed as a parent. 10 ways Christianity is crazier than Scientology. 10 ways cats eat ice cream. 10 ways (laughs) gays take selfies. And 10 ways the planet is trying to kill us. And so on and so on and so on. While some of the topics they seek to address are worth discussing, the glib and largely unsourced manner in which they go about it has become an internet cancer. Consider us the chemo. Sort of like Shark Week. Yes, but except <laughs> for those BuzzFeed lists with pictures of hot people, we're fine with those. Oh, yeah. BuzzFeed's in. Uh, we will not be discussing anything to do with those awful Cardassians, other than to pine for the day when they finally leave the stage so lazy entertainment reporters will go back to reporting on actual entertainment and not amateur porn stars and their dreadful families. We will say the matriarch of that odious clan this week confirmed the rumors that she's as stupid and incompetent as we've heard when she attacked the president for using her overpaid porn star daughter and her bizarre anger management candidate candidate husband as examples of how media over media overexposure is skewing the values of young people she's the put more- a curse on you <laughs> it is it's the curse of the kardashians the curse of the kardashians that moronic matriarch woman not only called her ubiquitous porn star daughter the hardest working young woman in America. <laughs> yeah, right? Because opening clubs is such hard work. But she apparently forgot that her show is called Keeping Up with the Cardassians. Hey, dipstick, that means keeping up with the rich people. Didn't you know? Ah. <sighs> We don't have anything against people for being rich and successful. So Ryan, Andy, Mark, Simon, if you must pollute our minds in airwaves this way, why not go find some people who are actually both of these things and make them famous for a change? And that's really all we have to say on it. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. Tonight's dinner party will only be as good as you think it is, as our provocation comes from that sage of self-actualization, Lyle Duet, author of the bestseller, How to Get Exactly What You Want Without Trying Very Hard. Good evening. I'm certain that tonight's show will be a triumph. So it will be. I'm sure that my new book, How to Get Exactly What You Want Without Trying Very Hard, will rocket to the top of the bestsellers list, because that's exactly what I want. Right now, I am manifesting the life and the love and the income and the happiness and the success that I want. And while it is completely exhausting, it sure beats the alternative. I mean, what would happen if I didn't spend every waking moment focused on, say, the meal that I most want to eat next? Or the kind of life-affirming personal and professional experiences and advances that I'm seeking? If I wasn't busy manifesting every single solitary good thing that happens to me, my entire life would begin to sink into a hopeless and irredeemable morass of failure and negativity. So while being positive and thinking only about what I want constantly all throughout my day is really hard and not as much fun as you think, and I focused on manifesting... 
was certainly uplifting. Yeah. Is he all right? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. It's like an insurance thing. I got to sign some papers, <laughs> and it was, I was at the hospital, and he's a fucking nightmare. Uh, welcome to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And, and we're liable for that. <laughs> and everything else on the show tonight, except not. Because it's the internet, so fuck you. Hopefully an accident of that nature won't befall our guest for this evening, which is the lovely Miss Coco Peru. She will be here later in the broadcast. Right. Um, but in the meantime, we have to talk about our regular series here. Now, I don't believe any of our party people took a guess at what happened to Jordan Ampersand They've last given week. Up. They've become so discouraged by the fact that nobody ever gets it. Well, we did have a winner last week. We did had we? Michael Raklowski has I've still not uh, sent you your book, but I I will as soon as I stop downloading porn. Um, but let's refresh the memories of everybody. So you might want to just go to the bookstore and get your own copy. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it was just a truthful joke. Here is the sound of what happened yeah, to Jew critic at large Jordan Ampersand last week during his special report from Provincetown during Family Week. Bye, hookers. My name's Jordan Ampersand, and I'm still awesome. Who cares what seven year old Oh, damn. Oh, that is too bad. And, of course, right there at the end, that was the seven-year-old that he had been interviewing for a segment that, once again, didn't go very well. He'd been torturing that poor seven-year-old. My God. Okay, okay. I'm not sure. Talk about liability issues. Well. Turning Jordan loose on the general public and other people's children. If I may interject here, Mr. Quinn, what happened to Jordan was actually the first (laughs) documented megalodonado. Many of you may have heard of Sharknado. And then many of you may have heard of the bullshit Discovery Channel special, Megalodon, Prehistoric right. Shark actually, Lives. I unfortunately sat through as much of that as I could stand, which wasn't much. Well, the sharks, the prehistoric sharks are apparently alive, and they were inside of a tornado, and they attacked Jordan Ampersand, but he is okay, and he is recovering. Well, and he's that ought to finish the poor things off. He's apparently back this week, or Jordan gave them Ampersand. a great high. Jordan Ampersand, responsible for the extinction of Megalodon. <laughs> <laughs> One bite of Jordan Ampersand, and I, I would think they would actually have a really nice ecstasy trip after yeah. it. But, anyway. but the GHB combination of all, with all the sushi they've been eating probably killed them. Excellent. Well, um, we're back again this week. We have not been sued or arrested yet, although it would be great publicity if we were. Right, um, and free. Absolutely. Well, if it was somebody really high profile. So if you're not high profile, please leave us the hell alone. <laughs> if you do, don't if you're sue really us. famous, come fuck with us. Yeah, Marvin Gaye's estate, <laughs> come and sue us. That's our new tagline. Welcome to the Dinner Party Show. Come fuck with us. We need the PR. <laughs> we have, speaking of uh, being fucked, we have Breck Artery with a special report this week, our fairly imbalanced newsman. Let's hear what Breck has to say. We take you to Breck Artery, live from Columbia, South Carolina. Breck? This is Breck Artery, live from Columbia, the state capital of South Carolina, where spontaneous celebrations are breaking out on the city's almost unnavigable main street. All around me, people are engaged in public displays of celebratory behavior in honor of something that hasn't been the case around here since the Revolutionary War. For the first time since almost anyone here can remember, North Carolina has taken the lead as the crazier Carolina. South Carolina, for years, the odds-on favorite as the hands-down crazier of the two Carolinas, with idiots fighting for the right to fly a symbol of the state's defeat and humiliation in the Civil War over the State House, Strom Thurmond representing the state for over 48 years in the U.S. Senate, and the present-day governor, Nikki Haley, 
flirting with corruption and supporting racist voting policy while forcing state employees to answer the phone, it's a great day in South Carolina, the southernmost Carolina seemed a slam dunk to hold the dubious title of fruitcakiest. As the northern Carolina joined the 20th and later the 21st century and began to prosper, South Carolina held fast to the kind of political atmosphere that gave rise to a governor who actually believed that it would go unnoticed when he took time off to go to South America to shack up with his mistress while still in office. His cover story of hiking the Appalachian Trail not only added to the state's humiliation, but became a common euphemism for lying and cheating badly. Not content to humiliate his state by getting caught out on the worst excuse ever, the governor then held the most painfully embarrassing press conference ever, and then, rather than fade away, chose to return to Congress, thankfully with less emphasis on the previous hypocritical family values platform that made him such a target when the mistress hit the fan. South Carolina's resume of the reprehensible goes on and on, so it came as a great shock when their northern, fancier, more progressive neighbors suddenly surged ahead, eliminated all checks and balances by electing one party, guess which one, to rule both houses and the governor's mansion, and then the crazy just flew north for the summer. Even then, South Carolina, with years of experience in this area, continued to set the bar for wacko until North Carolina took on not only South Carolina, but truly awful places like Texas and Florida to surge into the lead. With virtually dictatorial powers, North Carolina lawmakers and their puppet in the governor's mansion began by stripping women's constitutional rights in a motorcycle safety bill this past month. And this month, they have taken the lead as a couple of sandwiches short of a summer picnic by sweeping away citizens' voting rights in an effort to combat a voter fraud problem that they claim is, and I'm quoting here, rampant and undetectable. Well, you can't argue with that kind of crazy and formerly red-faced citizens of this state are red in the face from shouting for joy that for a moment at least, when the Attorney General and the national media are speaking ill of one of the Carolinas, for a change, it isn't them. This is Breck Artery live from Columbia, South Carolina, wishing you good night and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. James Taylor is everything that's wrong with white people. Oh my God, what a thing to say. I love James Taylor. I know you do. I know you do. And I'll let you have that and I'll let you be who you need to be. <laughs> because there's really no stopping. Ask my mother. There's no stopping there's me no from being stopping. who I need to be. Eric Shaw Quinn. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm... Gotta be Eric Shaw Quinn. <laughs> and he's seen fire and he's seen rain. That's right, baby. And flying machines and pieces on the ground, uh, babe. <laughs> uh, welcome back. We will be joined later in the live cast by the lovely Miss Coco Peru. Cannot wait. But until uh, she gets here, uh, we're going to talk about ourselves. I have a lot to talk about, Eric <laughs> Shaw Quinn. We'll still be talking about ourselves when she gets here. Don't fool yourself. We do. We have a big reveal about Eric Shaw Quinn, a dra dramatic life change that he made this weekend. <gasps> oh, oh, what could it be? Calm down, mother. Yeah, and uh, and meanwhile, from now until, I guess for the next three months, all I'm going to talk about is my next novel, The Heavens Rise, which you can pre-order now. 
and if you pre-order it, and send your receipt to Eric. Wake up! Wake up! I'm sorry. These are the rules, right? Yeah, these are Christopher. The rules. As a child, once came up with a game, and like the rules, they, 20 minutes later, he was still telling people the rules. Because I family, didn't know like, what the game was about. I thought games were just about making up rules. Yeah, that, it's like when we were going to play Guess the Celebrity, and you came up with. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the celebrity. Guess what their name used to be. You have a really long memory for what other people do. I really do. You it's, also have a creative. It's memory. one of my superpowers. No, so listen. Here's the deal. Here's the meat of the matter. Right, and this is a really good book. So you might as well go and on now, and buy there's it. There's the Eric I love. There he is. There's the supportive friend. Well worth buying, even if it, you weren't going to get something. But if you. If you pre-order the book, and if you email your receipt to this address, theheavensrise at gmail.com, I will ship you a hand-signed page from the original manuscript that includes author notes. It's, it's actually not the final text that ended up in the book. It's pre-edited text, so you're seeing something that's not in the published book with my notes on it, and I will individually autograph each page and send it to everybody who pre-orders. The so. inside story. So, Absolutely. Christopher, is there a place that people can go to find out well, all Eric, of these so details? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Just this weekend, we launched the Facebook page for The Heavens Rise. What a great idea. Yeah. www.facebook.com slash the heavens rise with no spaces or periods. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> what periods would you put? actually my I'm Christopher period rice period writer on Facebook. My personal Facebook page. Has, really? I don't I have set up so many goddamn social media sites. I'm at the point where I don't even know the passwords for most of that them explains anymore. so much about all of your conversations about. Well, pretty much your life. <laughs> you, know, right? you, you, have to... you know what happened on social media today? Nothing. Nothing happened <laughs> on social media because it's entirely a fantasy. People typed on their computers is what happened on social media today. And they had fake publicity engineered feuds. Okay, so here's the deal. On the new Facebook... Which we're recording from anybody who's actually famous and has a big following. Yeah, here come... at the Dinner Party Show would welcome being attacked by somebody who's really famous. <laughs> Because we the need the free slogan, PR. The dinner party show. Come fuck with us. <laughs> uh, so, you know, here's the thing. Wait, Wait you hear the song. I have a question for you. I put this question to the people on the new Facebook page. Uh, my mother and I are going to be attending the Vampire List Stop Ball in New Orleans for the first time in, I think, like 11 or 12 years. And uh, we... Uh, it's <laughs> well, you don't look nearly that old, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> You made me hit my new pop filter oh, with my, my no. headphones. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't know what to dress as. I don't know what costume to wear. Should I dress as one of my mother's vampires? What or are you dressed I... as tonight? What's yeah. that supposed I'm to be? I'm a fucking radio show host, Eric oh. Shaw Quinn. I am your co-host, in case you have forgotten. My, co- my co-host, Sharkskin. <laughs> I am wearing um, a silver Ted Baker suit jacket. Beautiful, which I would call Sharkskin, but I don't know. It's beautiful. I don't think it's really Sharkskin. Well, I don't want the animal rights people fucking with I don't think Sharkskin. Shark skin is really shark skin. Oh, really? It's just. Like... I can't imagine you'd be able to wear fish skin and make it into a suit. God, I hope that's not true. That would be hideous. You can if you got the sharks from a sharknado. <laughs> if you if you have the sharks' permission. Now, speaking of permission, Christopher, I hear that there was a there was a promotion for your book on Goodreads recently, and some of the people abroad yes. were unable to participate. There were on un- Goodreads hates other countries. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, there are, there are uh, laws in the United States. Come fuck with us, Goodreads. We could use the free publicity. <laughs> no, I need Goodreads. Okay, in my don't court. fuck with us, Goodreads. We apologize. Goodreads. No fatwas from Goodreads. There are laws that. that 
that govern how you can do a contest because there's a giveaway and then there's a contest. This was a contest. People only uh, twenty people won advanced copies of, wow. of the book. Political funding is just whatever you feel like doing, but contests yeah. that we've got laws about. Exactly, that's great. So um, what a wonderful country. Non-U.S. residents were excluded, and so I am going to do a giveaway exclusively, or I should say, a contest for uh, several copies of the advanced readers edition of The Heavens Rise exclusively for people outside of the United States on this new Facebook page for the book, facebook.com. So tomorrow when you wake up and hear this, Europe. (laughs) We have a lot of listeners in Europe, but yeah, we have a listener from the Philippines, Todd Barcelo. I hope I pronounced his name right, who's been very supportive of the show. I think he sometimes is awake to hear us from the Philippines. I think I'm pretty sure that we've talked with him on the show before. I wonder what time it is in the Philippines. It's one, hey, Todd, what time is it in the Philippines? I actually came up with, um, a, 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 in The Moonlit Earth, my other book, which was set in, in Asia, I came up with a formula for calculating the time. It was like two or three hours ahead of us here on the West Coast, but then you reversed AM and PM. Right, because it's something like a oh seventeen-hour time. My head implodes. It's math, Eric Jacquin. I can't do that kind it's of stuff. Math. Like just figuring out what time it is on the East Coast. Sorry to all of the people that I've waked up really late at night. Is already too much for me. What we're being told, we have we have the time in the Philippines is currently eight twenty-five a.m. I'm being told. Oh, so we're the morning show, right? We're the morning. We're Todd Barcelo's <laughs> the Pacific morning Rim show. Rim morning show. Hey, Pacific Rim was awesome. Well, good morning, Pacific Rim. <laughs> good morning, Jaegers. <laughs> wow, wow. Yes. Oh my God. Everyone is now texting me and telling me that it's eight twenty-five a.m. in uh, in the Philippines. Thank you, Shea Butters, who is currently manning our party people on the Facebook page and Shay has certainly posted the the particulars of this competition on yes. the Facebook page for people who are at least links to where they can find it out. Yes, and we'd like to encourage all of our party people, if you haven't already, to go like the Heavens Rise Facebook page. There's a lot oh my else God, yes. that I'm putting on there. I posted a research video that I took on the deck of a grain ship on the Mississippi River uh, that, that because of pivotal sequence. Not, I'm, oh my spoiler God, is this free. you climbing up that ladder? No, I couldn't get that part. Oh my God, that's still the most terrifying thing. You've told me that story. I'll tell you that story again, but you know, I wouldn't have gone on this trip at all. Or if you I had known say, you were going to have to climb up that ladder. No, you told me to go. I called you and I said, Eric Sharquin. I, I didn't say Eric Trying to Shaw get Quinn. you out of town. I was going to throw a party at your house. <laughs> me and your cats. Me, a cat party. <laughs> yeah, baby. Welcome to the cat party. What's new, pussycat? <laughs> it was a very modern jazz party with cats and cigarette holders and yeah, martinis. It was Absolutely. all about beats. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is having fun, but we sure are here at the dinner party show. That's why I do this show. If it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what were we talking about? Oh, oh, I would not have gone out on the ship (laughs) when I had... If you hadn't said go. The the way it worked is I flew to New Orleans to do this research trip. I knew the pilot I was working with was going to be on call for a certain period of time. And I think it was maybe a total of 48 hours he would be on call while I was there. And there's never a guarantee that they're actually going to get to go out on a ship while they're on call. Right. So I got there late. He's, he was going to be on call all night. He said, there's a chance I'll get called at like 4 or 5 in the morning. And I called him and I was like, Eric, I really don't. I, it's going to be late. And he said, you should really do it. It's the reason you went. And so I did. And the result you can see on the Facebook page, The Heavens Rise. Um, but he was not say, called again. So I, if I hadn't gone when you told me to go, I would not. The trip would have been blown. And the terrifying climb up the ladder is described 
terrifyingly yeah. in the book itself, or it used to yeah, be. Yeah, it is. It's still in there. You read <laughs> an early draft. The page, but yeah, I read one of the early drafts of the book. I haven't read the most recent one. So I... In the book, they get on the ship. You have to, um, we only, we got on the ship through a gangway, but, but we got off the ship the way I described them getting on the ship, which is you go out to a ship that's in the river and moving in the river. It's still moving as oh you God. approach it. I think that would be more terrifying. A giant ship. Climb yeah. off the bladder onto the moving boat alongside you that go, would be worse. The crew boat that you're on has a oh. platform that's eight or nine feet up in the air with a little ladder that you go up to that platform, and then you start climbing up the metal rope ladder that's dangling down the side of the ship, and you go from there to a porthole. And the re- the relief pilot is at the top, I'll, and I'll have plenty more to say about and this the in the next few segments. the boats are just gigantic. I, when we did a book signing on the Ronald Reagan, the USS Ronald Reagan, me and the drunken whore, it was like standing on top of... The fuck are you doing? I always do that when you say that. <laughs> it was like standing on top of a, you know, a, a skyscraper. Yeah, absolutely. Those well, are terrifying. We're going to take a short break for one of our new and uh, much shorter and streamlined promos. Then we will have astrological readings from Tuan, Queen of the Stars. And then we'll be back here talking some more about me and my new book and Eric's big reveal. And we're not saying what that is until we come back. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we're the co-hosts of The Dinner Party Show. Would you like to be one of our party people? That's our affectionate nickname for the folks who interact with us during our live shows using our Facebook fan page. That's right. Shea Butters, our somewhat loyal manservant, is always manning our Facebook page and sending us your questions and comments so we can respond to them live on the air. If you'd like to play along with the rest of us, be sure to like The Dinner Party Show's page on Facebook. On SoundCloud, we post the work of all of our deranged sponsors and special correspondents, and we do so in a format that's easy to share with all of your friends on social media. So, if you like a sketch, head over to SoundCloud and spread it all over your world. You can follow us on Twitter at Dinner Party Show to enjoy favorite quotes from each live cast and breaking Dinner Party Show news. And don't forget about our YouTube channel, where you can enjoy backstage videos and breathless show recaps from your over-caffeinated hosts. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we're thrilled to have you at our party. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hey. Juan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Fuck off, Cancer. Who asked your advice? Okay, so if you listened to last week's astrological forecast from me, Tuan, Queen of the Stars, you may have detected less than a professional tone. I am here to apologize if my presentation was anything less than my most precise. As you know, I as Queen of the Stars, strive to provide the best, most accurate, and scientific forecast possible. I know that many of you rely on me and my astronomical observations as you plan your week ahead. So, I am deeply sorry if anything about last week's forecast was any less than the most helpful and exact in its personal revelation to you. So, if any of you got the impression that I thought Libra was anything other than a whore who cannot be trusted any further than you can throw a comet by the tail, well, you have my 
deepest apologies. Whoa. I can only say that with Venus in Libra through the 10th of September, the heightened desire for romantic partnership may cause you to compromise what you truly believe in order to satisfy your personal desires. On the plus door. side, you will also find your company sought out and your social life in full swing. I'll break it so, down, I swear if I any of you had any kind words for that feckless whore Libra, we know who to blame it on. Venus. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show where Eric Shaw Quinn is giving me shit during the break. Uh, and all the rest of his life. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a little uh, little visit with Edie Gourmet. We lost the old girl this last week. That was, mm. I love that song. And Steve and Edie were... Mm-hmm. Household names for mm-hmm. you know back in the before times when I was young and dinosaurs ruled the earth. You're on your own with this one. Edie yeah. was still a singer. That's sad. It's sad when they people were always die. on Mike <laughs> Douglas and Merv Griffin and such big popular shows as in all of you people out there have never heard. Did of Did you before. ever see the Saturday Night Live skit where they would do Regis and Kathy? I'm sorry, Regis and Kelly. It was post Kathy Lee. And Amy Poehler would play Kelly, and no matter what Regis was talking about, she would accuse him of making a reference that she couldn't get because of her age. She'd be like, what are Hondays? Hondays? You're so old, Reg. <laughs> That's probably why he got out of that particular yeah. show, and he's now on Fox Sports. Oh, okay. Yeah, he uh, kissed John Oliver on uh, The Daily Show this week. That's hot. <laughs> he went on to promote the show and ended up kissing John Oliver, because you know that's how things go sometimes in the I fast world so. of television. Interviews. If God, you know, absolutely. Are you watching all those entertainment shows? You know, Kathy shows? Lee turned sixty this week. Good for her. Yeah, she had sixty-year-old men in with uh, in tank tops carry her in on a on a bunch of. <laughs> it was really funny. It was, yeah, and old you know, is and beautiful. She and Hoda were falling down drunk, and Frank showed up. Frank is eighty-three. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because. Ain't none of us going the other way, sister. As you remind everyone all the time. That's right. It's Eric the great Shaw Quinn's most famous line: "Age is the great democracy." That's right, babe. If did you're you, lucky enough, it's gonna happen to you. Did you ever hear the Joan Collins line: "Being young and beautiful is like being born rich, and every day you're getting poorer." Ah, <laughs> uh, leave it to Joan to find the bitter vein of it all. Absolutely, Joan and Eric Shaw Quinn. That's us. Um, so I put a question to my people on the new Facebook page for the Heavens Rise. What should I wear to the Vampire Lestat Ball? I said, you know, should I dress up as one of Anne And then Rice's? I distracted you by calling your suit shark skin and <laughs> you just fell apart. <laughs> um, we have some suggestions that are entirely inappropriate and I'm not going to be reading them on the air because they're just, they're, they're all involved me being naked. And are as you, you can you, tell from Facebook, I never take my shirt oh, off. Oh yeah, that picture keeps coming back. Um, people want me to go as Lestat, which I'm contractually forbidden to do. It's a very long story. Mom can tell you about it on her Facebook page. You're contractually forbidden I'm to for, go I'm dressed as Lestat? Go as Lestat. I am forbidden who, to go. Who wrote this contract and when did it, you sign it? It's a long story, but if somebody wants to come fuck with us, we'll, we'll, we'll dredge it up and use it for publicity. That's really funny. Zombie Hercules, Mike Martinez suggested. Gay, dead, and minimal clothing. You know, I am so tired of being objectified. I just... <laughs> 
I, then you should stop. <laughs> you should put some fucking clothes on. Put some clothes That's on a, and post some pictures of yourself at your current age. And, <laughs> I am there at my current age, Eric Shaw Quinn. That shirtless shot is only two years old, bitch. I knew we were headed to this place. Uh, I knew it. Um, what happened to Twan in that good. previous? <laughs> life is good if I've made Christopher scream. That's in anger. right. Sorry, I banged into my um, pop filter. We have these fabulous new pop we filters. We do have fabulous new pop I hope you're enjoying them at filters. home. I'm having using mine for you know punching workout. Is it time for a big reveal about your new life choice? I guess it's so. I, yeah, if you're ready, I, is everybody out there ready? I would like to send a message out to Shea Butters, our loyal manservant. Shay, we would like you to post on our Facebook page so the party people can see. What changes Eric Shaw Quinn has made this weekend? We visited the Beverly Hills Hotel yesterday, which was just full which of... Which is where you should go to make all big life changes, uh, I think. Yeah, absolutely. They have a great divorce court. Um, and they have cherry pie, they which have is amazing really good pie. at their lunch counter. They have amazing pie. This is, We're doing a long, slow build-up to this one, aren't we? But that pie is worth talking about. <laughs> which is probably going to be... A, Huge disappointment. Listen, that that we went to the Fountain Coffee Room, which is sort of a storied part of the Beverly Hills Hotel. It's like a little candy counter in the in the basement, really, which is where the salon is. Oh, I'm giving away the big reveal too soon. Um, but we had pie, <laughs> and then you went into the salon, and I had more pie. Maybe suspenseful music would help this part. <laughs> Maybe if it were a different story, it would. Maybe if I'd made a significant change. In Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Shaw Quinn cut. His hair. That's right. He cut his hair. Sue Simmons, what do you think of that? The fuck are you doing? <laughs> That's what she said yesterday in the salon. When she saw what I was doing with my hair. No, I just, it was time for a little bit of a change. It's not huge. It's not gigantic. But, you know, weigh in. Say something shitty if you must. But, um, yeah, it was time to uh, get a new look. Well, let's talk about what this look has meant to you over the years. Like, you had short hair. You had hair like me when I met you. I, I would call it a page boy. Yeah, of. when I went on book tour with the drunken whore. Don't pause for it. I just, it takes me no, a while to hit the I'm button. sorry. <laughs> I, th- I, was, I know that you like what to do that. When I, I felt like that. Sue sped up. That was really, that. yeah, that was really a... Sue was, is drunk. Sue was in the <laughs> lobby. too much espresso, that Sue. <laughs> anyway, which is probably what caused her to say that in the first the place. The fuck are you doing? There we go. God, I just love that thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, yeah, because that's not distracting at all while I'm trying to tell a story. Um, I, And now I, I only have a minute left. <laughs> and now left. we're out of time. And now Eric we're out of Shaw time. Quinn. But it's been lovely. We'll be back to talk Thank about my shark skin hairdo. We will actually, we'll be back in just a bit. We yeah, have a, we a special have... word from one of our new sponsors, followed by Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. And then we will be back here to, to talk actually more about my hair. talk about Eric Shaw Quinn's hair. <laughs> Through the magic of animated film, you visited the world of toys and cars and planes. Now, visit a world that's much closer to home, but just as full of wonder. All I do is sit here all day long, gazing up and out the kitchen window. Could there be a bigger world out there for me, Plucky Spoon? I don't know, Grindy. If life teaches us anything, it's that we should learn to accept what we're given. Like this giant rind of fat off of a T-bone! Coming soon to a theater near you, it's Garbage Disposals. I better get out of the way or else I'll get sucked in too! 
I have dreams. There's a whole world out there I want to see, but I'm going to be stuck here in this sink for the rest of my life. Be careful what you wish for, Grindy. I just saw the man of the house walk in with a box that may contain your replacement. Hey there, fellas. I'm Grindette 3020, the new and improved model, and look here. I'm green! So says your box, Grindad. Yeah, and I sure hope they leave you sitting right here on the counter. Otherwise, this movie's going to get real complicated real fast. I mean, it's already shaping up to be the My Dinner with Andre of animated films, but still, it's better than... Who ever heard of an Irish talking spoon? Best not to ask too many questions, lady. They're clearly running out of ideas across the board here. It's a world stuffed with the magic of everything you couldn't finish at dinner. An exotic journey lined with product placements from every produce company under the sun. It's Garbage Disposals, coming soon to a theater near you. Pronouncement of the week. The press has become the NRA of the First Amendment. This has been Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Oh. I love live. Uh, Eric Shaw Quinn, since you're my Rice. co-host, I thought I would actually let you talk in this segment. So really? go, go, just go. I'm going to nod do you off have any? Do you have any thought? Do you have any final thoughts? Any final thoughts, yeah. Eric Shaw Quinn? Now you just, what do you want me to talk about, Christopher Rice? I want you to talk about your experience of having long hair and the sometimes hostile and negative reactions it engendered in our own supposedly accepting community. <laughs> Gay men are accepting. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, but it was strange watching the way people reacted when you grew your hair out. Some of some of the, the well, you there know. was there was this. I think because we have been so marginalized as a community for so long, and we have been sort of that kind of a lone minority as a gay child. If you're not gay, being the the sense of isolation because other minorities go home to a minority family or go to a minority mm. church or go back to a minority neighborhood. They are not all alone in the world, but a gay kid may go home to a straight family in a straight world on a straight neighborhood in a straight church where they're, the preacher is saying right. that they're going to hell. And right. and the, the sense of isolation is enormous. So as a result, it is my considered anthropological theory and opinion right. that gay people are unbelievably conformist mm -hmm. when we come together as a community there is a sense of you must look like this you must have this body and wear this outfit and buy these designers and you must have this howdy doody haircut which everyone in West Hollywood has and they look great I mean I'm not saying it, it's, right, right. the scenery here is why I live here it's a beautiful place because of who lives in this neighborhood but if you make decisions that take you out of looking like everybody else 
it's like you showed up for marching band practice dressed as right. I don't know Motley Crew, and everybody's like, "What the hell?" And a lot of those look at those marching band directives are about looking outwardly as masculine in a cosmetic sense as we possibly can. Right, looks like Tarzan, talks like Jane. Right, right. As you like to say, opened his purse, opened his mouth, and a purse fell out. <laughs> Gucci Oops, purse falls jumped out. my own punchline. So that's you know, and I think that's worth talking about because anything that sort of speaks to a flamboyance or effeminacy like it, it is always baffling to me I'm actually not this is maybe too candid a confession I'm not a big internet hookup guy but the internet dating world is all about straight acting quote I'm putting in air quotes. which I always want to say well Pamela Anderson was famous for that right. you know for those videos of her blowing her mm-hmm. husband and so is blowing other men make does that straight that's acting straight she's acting. straight yeah, so does that exactly. mean that's blowing other men is straight acting because exactly. to me that's sort of the big dividing line right it's not the it's not the home decorating it's not the big hair it's not the uh figure skating it's the cocksucking <laughs> That's what makes you gay. And if you do that, then how can you be straight acting and doing that? Everything else is sort of up for grabs. There are more straight interior decorators and hairdressers than gay ones because there's more of Well, if you've ever watched that soap opera, The Bold and the Beautiful, everyone in the fashion industry is straight. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, my God. My favorite is that. That show, it's the HBO or one of the. I don't think it's on anymore. I know channel. what you're talking about. It was, but I don't it think was it got making renewed. it in the USA or something. It was. I tried watching it and it was. Um, the, it, it was about the fashion industry, and nobody in the fashion industry was gay. And I thought, well, this is really a bizarre television right. show. So I stopped watching. I was uninterested. I've kind of gotten to that place. I, I'll tune in for a new show, and if there are no gay characters on it, I kind of get bored and leave. Right, yeah, like, I get it. It doesn't have to be all about gay, but if you're not going to include me at all, I, I'm going to well, not Well, particularly when you go into such a saturated gay industry and render us invisible. Like all the movies that would be made about dancing school and we would be not included. Like right. at dancing school, right. like, really? really? Yeah. yeah. It, it's just sort of like, but any anything now, I mean, it could be about uh, the, the NRA or mm-hmm. the, um, if you made a, <laughs> a show about anything, if we're not included as 10% of the... I, it just sort of, I, I'm just bored with it. I get it. I, I don't I really it. have the, the same level of interest anymore. I, I think it's odd because I've been sort of auto-correcting all these years. And right, right. Now I'm just not willing to do that. I actually want to see the real thing. And So anyway, back to your hair. Why did you cut it this weekend? Other than the fact that I offered for the to drive same you. reason that I grew it out, a because I could, and b because for convenience. Like one of the one of the the unspoken things about having really long hair is that it's actually much more low maintenance than having short hair. Really, you really don't have to do much. You don't have to spend as much time on it. It's just long. That's what it is. Like if you're short, you have to have it cut more frequently. You have to use product. You have to dry it out. You have to wash it more often. You have to you know. Poof you know it up what and, was fun is when you would blow it out. You would look like Antonio Banderas from Interview with the Vampire when he played our. <laughs> Mind. Just thick mane, and it was like, don't fuck with Eric Shaw Quinn. He's a vampire until his hair falls. Until you get water on his hair or get him in a humid environment. <laughs> He's yeah, that's his, his kryptonite is his wet hair. Right. That's yeah, not my superpower. And but the, I, it had been a long time, and I just hadn't done anything with it. I needed to go back in for you know, like I'm not very gray, but there's enough in there that it needs a little help. Every I wasn't going to bring up the coloring. You brought up the coloring. I was just talking yeah, about. Your so cut. I wanted to. I was going back in to sort of do my usual sort of highlighting. I've decided to go blonde rather than gray as I get older. And um, 
And so I figured, what the hell? Mm-hmm. I, you know, cut off my chin. Why not a little bit of my face? There are no secrets on the dinner party right? show. What have we established? That you had face work done. You cut your hair. I'm not a big fan of internet dating. Now, Christopher actually got a haircut oh, when we went, too. Oh, so oh, your like... haircut is like... I thought you were going to go for some other secret that I was keeping from our no, party No, no. I was just going to point out that you also got a haircut. I um, did. I got a haircut, and I posted it on Facebook because I'm a narcissist, and I put a slogan with it that said, awesome haircut, son, quote, my father from 1958, and people began assuming that the photo was of my father, and that was a blow to my ego. And or I had that to you keep... had actually been that old with that haircut in 1958, <laughs> which really you had a miscalculation. People were saying things like, I didn't realize they had color photography in 1958. How old are you? For fuck's sake, people. (laughs) You have to be really, really clear on the internet. Christopher's facelift is is real. Yeah, because they were all really confused. Yeah, you know. I I will admit my my front row of teeth are augmented. That's my secret confession for for today. Other than the fact that I got a haircut on Saturday, which I think you'd be able to tell by looking at me. My front teeth um, used to be little chiclets teeth, and and through the miracle of cosmetic dentistry, I now smile like a a barn yard like Mr. Ed in every photo because I just have to show off my front teeth. <laughs> like oh, a mule-eaten briars, I'm as my grandmother used to say. Well, if in case anybody wonders if we'll ever run out of stuff to talk about, I just want to say we spent an entire segment on Eric's hair with a little coda about my teeth. We're going to have a, lo- a report from Miss Jonelle Sams, and then we will be joined here in the studio by the lovely and talented and much beloved, given the anticipation on our page. Oh, my God. Miss Coco Peru will be wait. with us. Can't wait. But right now, it's time for Jonelle Sams. Uh oh. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's homemade relationship advice with Jonelle Sams. Hi, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. So, if you listened in for relationship advice last week, you know you didn't get any. Mr. Christopher Rice decided to help out with the show, bless his heart, and invited the deranged woman who has convinced herself that she is the mother of my husband's illegitimate son, Captain Lupe Gonzalez, to join us. That is not my name. It is, Lupe. I looked it up. Don't tell me Lupe, this is my show, and if you don't like how I pronounce things, then get your own show. But if you you want to be on my show in my house, you can shut the hell up. Jesus. Jesus. That's what I said. It isn't. You are the stupidest diabolista blanca. <gasps> I looked that up on YouTube. It's Spanish for shut the hell up, Lupe. You shut up, pendejo. I looked that up too. Anyways, Captain Gonzalez has been after my husband Merle ever since she found herself in the family way with her son, Lupita. Lupe. 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 Anyways, we all tried to be understanding about it for the first 20 years or so, but Lupito Lupito. is well past 30, and I'm closing fast on my last nerve. Well, I'll have to look that one up. But meanwhile, our well-meaning friend, Christopher Rice, yes, bless his pee-picking little heart, he decided to encourage Lupe Lupe. and her paternity delusion and finance a DNA test to settle the matter once again. And for all, I have mixed feelings about it. I don't mind telling you, but I welcome an end to what has been, at best, an awkward situation for me socially all these years. So, without further delay, Jesus. Jesus. 
Here is Mr. Monroe from Monroe's DNA R Us to reveal the truth to this thick-headed boil on my backside for the past 30 years or so. I know what that means, and I'd just like to say I'm not the one who came up pregnant. But dad would have you. Merle Sams. <laughs> Mr. Monroe, it's lovely for you to join us. Yeah, can, can we get on with this? I've been on hold for like 20 minutes. You're live on the air, Mr. Monroe. Welcome to Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Great. Okay, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Mr. Monroe, I know you are a busy man, and I've explained what's going on here, so if you'd just like to tell us the results of your test... We can... All get on with our lives. Or start them. So, Mr. Monroe, once and for all, is my Merle the father of this woman's child? Well, ladies and all of you homemade relationship advice fans out there, the truth is... See? That means yes. Mr. Sam is not the father. Madre mia, maledicion panteo. Easy, Lupe. Lupe! I warned you, Lupe, so thank you, Mr. Monroe. I'm not done. I'm sorry. Lupito? Lupito. Is not Mr. Sam's son, but the two men are related. Okay. That means what? And it goes double for me. They are related? Yes. Does Mr. Sam's have a brother? Oh, my God. God, that old lecher. He never could keep his hands off. I, I mean, thank you for your help, Mr. Monroe. All right, thank you. And for all your DNA testing needs, contact us at... Just mail those results along, Mr. Monroe. What are you crazy white people trying to pull on me and my son? Lupe? Lupe! I'm just going to start calling you Cayate, because it's the only Spanish word you don't correct me on. Well, Senorita Thang, you may want to watch how you throw that word around, because Lupito is not Merle's son. He's Merle's Brother. Maledicion, Bertado, Dios mio, Thank you, Christopher Rice, for helping us out with this. Lupe, put that down. Lupe. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. Stay away from that taxidermy, Lupe. It's irreplaceable. Lupe. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle, care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page, or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Lupe, I wish you would get that golf cart out of my house or watch where you're going. Jesus. Jesus. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. Did I tell you what happened to me this weekend? Do you ever not tell me what happened to you over the weekend? Uh, whatever. I'm talking about the noise thing in my neighborhood. You know, there's this construction oh, going yeah. on down the street and the crews have been working late at night. Yeah, yeah right. I, I remember. Okay. Well, I called my local noise enforcement hotline and the message on their voicemail was a little weird. So I hmm. thought I would record it and just play it for everyone to see if they thought I was overreacting. Uh, all right. How long is it? Uh, sort of long-ish. Long-ish? Just listen. All right. Thank you for calling the LAPD Noise Enforcement Hotline. Our office is open between the hours of 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. If this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911. If you're being disturbed by a loud noise after 2 in the afternoon, please hang up and call 1-877-ASK-LAPD. And please don't complain to the operator about how the Noise Enforcement Hotline isn't open at a time when people are being disturbed by loud noises. 
They don't have anything to do with our hours. If you're calling to leave a message here about why our office isn't open at the time of day when people are actually being bothered by loud noises, please don't leave that message here. Just call like another friend who isn't us or who doesn't work here and leave it on their machine so you can get it out of your system. If you're calling about a barking dog, please hang up and call animal control. But make sure it's a dog and not a coyote because they sound different and the guys at animal control totally was out over coyotes. They think they're like hapool for something. The following are calls the noise enforcement hotline does respond to. Loud noises that are disturbing you. The following are calls the noise enforcement hotline does not respond to. Noise enforcement does not respond to sounds that you think might mean an earthquake is coming. There's no such thing. Earthquakes just happen and then they're like real noisy, but there are no sounds before an earthquake. That's stuff you saw on TV. Noise enforcement does not respond to sounds that you think might be meteors. If a meteor hits your house, you know it because you had no house left. Noise enforcement does not respond to sounds you think are werewolf related. There are no werewolves. Noise enforcement does not respond to sounds that you think are vampires scratching at your windows. You're high. Go sleep it off. Also, there is no such thing as chupacabras, and if there was, that would not be a noise enforcement issue. But seriously, they don't exist. So please, Mrs. Lopez, you gotta believe me. Your son is just messing with you. Also, the noise enforcement hotline does not respond to calls about the sounds of an axe hitting a side of beef hung from an elm tree. That's Gretchen. She's a performance artist and she's always rehearsing and we are not going near her after last time. Noise enforcement does not respond to sounds that you think might be terrorists filling the sewers with laser guns. This one just doesn't make any sense, dude. You need to stop calling us. Seriously, stop calling or we're going to start closing at 1 p.m. We hope this has answered most of your questions about the noise enforcement hotline. If it didn't, you can call the local noise enforcement office in your area, which is open from 10.45 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. every third Thursday on even-numbered months. Thank you for calling, and have a quiet day. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish. Brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. <sighs> That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I almost jumped the idea again this week. And this is, you know, what I've been waiting to say. Correct me if I get it wrong. Coco, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> did, I get, did I get close? Yeah. Is that all right? The lovely Miss Coco Peru is yeah, here in the studio. <laughs> Welcome, Miss Coco. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so fancy. Thank you. That's what we were it. going for yes. was fancy. Good, good. And we wanted you to be impressed. I'm we're very, very drag struck. We're very <laughs> drag struck to have you on the show today. I'm sorry if the drag rot has started to set in. <laughs> it's fortunate. Well, you are filming part of this, so we're people filming. So people will know at home that you're still as beautiful as we expected. Thank you for the low lighting. Oh, yes, yes. It's all about magic. (laughs) Me and Blanche Dubois, babe. (laughs) (laughs) We're catching you in between major world tours, right? You were just in Spain. Well, I was in Spain simply for vacation. Okay. Because that's where my husband lives. Well, he doesn't live there. He's from, and we go there every year for the summer. Whereabouts in Spain? He's from Galicia, which is in the northwest, but we spend the summers in the southeast. Because that's as far from you as family as you exactly. can get. Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, because the weather down there is yeah. so good. 
Of That's course. lovely. And now you're off to Provincetown. I, I am off to P-Town. I'll be doing eight shows there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm one of the few people that like doesn't spend the whole summer there. I was yeah. thinking that, right? Because like, Varla Jean is there the whole the summer. The whole summer. Right, yeah. right. But and I can't do that. It's exhausting, well, right? Well, I think it's a visa thing with her. I don't think they actually <laughs> let her leave the city limits of Provincetown. I think she's trapped there. <laughs> right, exactly. But it's exhausting. You have to go out there and fly her for your show every every evening. I mean, I love they, it. Yeah, but... it's great, but it is exhausting. And it's so not me to like stand out on the street and hawk myself. You know, as Miss Richfield drives by on her scooter. Right, <laughs> right like, exactly. I can't compete with that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, you don't do scooters. No, I don't no. do scooters. Do you have somebody stand with you and hold an umbrella? I don't actually. I don't actually hawk my show. Oh God! I think that's a much better choice. And I wouldn't think you'd have to. You've been. Well, no, I I do in a way. I mean, they have people do it for me because I I tried to work that in my contract because I did it once and it was, it, it it just. I, I was miserable. Yeah, right. and I, I really honestly think you have enough of a reputation that you could have people out with, you know, those paper masks handing out the I flyer. I should do that. Right? The, the hair. Genius. Yeah, you could just cut yes. it out like yes. those fans. the hair, yeah. Yeah, and even could the be fan, a fan could be a flyer, just, yeah, yeah, but they could hold it over their face and hand out the thing. Why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. I got a million of them. We're <laughs> trying to get somebody to sue us so that we can get some free publicity. <laughs> That's what we're trying for. So if you could say something really offensive today, we would really <laughs> Fabulous. appreciate it. I've put my yeah. foot in my not, mouth a few no, fat, times. Short of a fat. Let's, but, you not, know. Okay. let's not go crazy. Let's not. It was a fun joke for the first few We'll seconds. try and, you know, behave. But let's not go yeah, crazy. Yeah, because that sounds like what's going to happen. So the show that you're going to do this summer is called She's Got Balls. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. I just, I did it here uh, in Los Angeles, and then I traveled a bit with it before Spain, and it's my brand new show, and it's all about... Um, uh, it's. I feel like it's my sex positive show where it's just mm. a lot of funny stories. But you know, with my shows, there's always a point. And um, mm-hmm. well, one of my favorite Coco quotes is, uh, "If you've got the balls to change yourself, you've got the balls to change the world." Yeah, is like that... that's the secret drag queens have is if you have cool. the power to change. I've always, if you're yourself. man enough to wear a dress down the street, by God, you got you got to have a big hefty pair. Yeah, I swear to God. When I lived in New York and I used to ride the subway in full drag, you know, my friends were like, "You ride the subway in drag?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, no one bothers me." Mm. If I went on the train with just the makeup on. I would be called names. Hmm. But there was something about going all the way to that edge that I think people are just instinctively wired to respect. The that the courage that it takes. They, yeah. they they even if they think you're crazy and you're weird, it's either that or they're thinking you're packing a pistol in your small handbag. But either way works. Right. They just kept it, as long as it works. Yeah. As long as it works. Maybe they think you have experience defending yourself in those situations. If you're in the habit of doing it, you know how to handle yourself. Exactly. Right. Like that's what the pistol. A three-inch heel. Right. <laughs> right. Or just respect. Yeah. One of the things that I loved. We talked briefly about a. a project from your youth, um, Wigstock. Mm. One of the things that I loved about that film was the sort of underlying message of everybody's really in drag all the time. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of what drag you're choosing to be in. And giving somebody the respect of, you know, I'm being who I am. It's like, all right, well, I may not agree with you, but my hat's off to you for being who you are. You Absolutely, know, like a, I yeah. think that would surely have some sort of impact on, I don't know. I, it's such an interesting way to approach the world. I did drag one time. Because I got dared into it, and it was one of those experiences where it was so like I had great respect. Just the just the hassle of it. Well, it's it. a lot of work. Oh yeah. my 
God. And and then uh, after eight hours of it, I looked like Barbara Bush's plain yeah, sister. Yeah, and, and then like, when it starts sliding Oh, off. my God. Yeah. Was, well, that's yeah. what we're talking about. Before, I, I it's like... I people will I have old photos and and people go oh you look so beautiful in 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 this photo and I go you know I always feel like now that I'm older I have to tell them, that was not photoshopped that's the right. way I really really looked back right. then and I so didn't appreciate it you know right. well, I'd look in you, the mirror and see all the faults I'm back sitting then. across from Coco Peru and Coco Peru still looks pretty terrific she's, those she's those still beautiful got it, eyes yeah. my those eyes. beautiful eyes my yeah. God those beautiful Tessie Technicolor with the hair well, and the eyes we grew, and the, I grew up in the Bronx as I said in my family in our small neighborhood we were known for our eyes yeah oh, oh yeah yes. I definitely yeah they're still working for is you there, is there a certain calculus to it where you can look at somebody who's maybe a beautiful person in their in their their drag of origin and you think you would not work as a drag queen like can you just look at somebody's face and their features and say it would that would go away or is there always a way to sort of make the transition oh, I, no there's there's really hideous hideous drag oh, oh my <laughs> but god i yes. can see i can still find a way to celebrate even hideous drag because right. i think anytime someone uh, dresses up or you know if a woman decides to dress like a man anytime yeah. someone steps outside that box that alone for me is a reason to celebrate it, even right. if it's just a mess, you yeah. know. And now uh, there are like Dina Martinez, a drag queen who who's, who's just grotesque, mm. and that's you know that, that there's something there to celebrate. As that's well. the thing. Yeah. yeah, we were talking Being earlier in the show about Eric's decision to grow his hair long and mm-hmm. that the strange reactions it engendered in people, some, sometimes hostile, you know. And we were talking about how. Gay men can be very conformist, you know, and there, there's really, a, yeah. yeah I don't know if you've heard <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, no fats, you know? femmes, or uh, Asians, and, and it just right. comes Ugh. pouring out online in yeah. this hideous, like yeah. no straight acting. That ridiculousness. Yeah. Is right. Oh my god, I yeah. think straight acting is the funniest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Well, it's we're the most ridiculous. We will be back to talk about how ridiculous oh, really? that is. Really? Yeah, we will. Yeah, well, as someone like who a... is straight acting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Women are straight. Time for a word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back here on the Dinner Party Show with the lovely Miss Coco Peru and that Eric guy. Is, who can't shut up. As well. <laughs> who can't shut up during the breaks. Right. Each year, dozens more reality shows come on the air, and each year the premises get thinner and thinner. In just a few short years, we've gone from surviving in the jungle and identifying the truly talented to pest control and duck call manufacturers. This season, it's dental work with the stars. Each week, a group of celebrity has-been contestants will each have a dental procedure. You'll endure endless discussions of the process. If we're gonna beat Hasselhoff, this tooth has to come out. Then, our intrusive cameras will take you into the operating theater to go where almost no one willingly wants to go anyway. No, no, please, God! (laughs) Then it's up to you, America. Each week, you'll vote for the dental work that you think best exemplifies the incisors and bicuspids of the rich and famous. Sorry, Miss Anderson. America has spoken and you're going home. As we count down to the finalist and the winner of the Ryan Lochte-designed Golden Grill. Kate Hudson, your full dentures. Took you over the top! You are the new dental damsel. Congratulations. 
Join us on ABC, the network that destroyed two perfectly good scripted series by moving them around until no one could find them or watch them anymore for our latest soulless and short-sighted ratings ploy, Dental Work with the Stars. Oh, welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. That was an ad for Dental Work with the Stars, which will be on this fall on ABC. Yikes. Can't hardly wait. We're here in the studio with the lovely Miss Coco Peru. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I was trying to get you to say that. <laughs> and if you go to your website, that's the greeting. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yeah, it's right. We were talking in the previous segment about celebrating all forms of drag. Mm-hmm. Bad drag, good drag. Is oh, there God. bad drag? Drag with a beard. I just love drag yeah, with a beard. Yeah, that's what it's I mean. So like cracks there's me sisters up. of perpetual indulgence oh, my God. with love them. beards and whatnot. Yeah. 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 I love that. So. Is it a form of rebellion or is that too glib? I guess on some level it's a form of rebellion, but for me it wasn't about rebellion. For me it was about uh, healing Mm -hmm. and embracing all that I had been taught to reject about myself growing up. Right, right. Even throughout college I went to school for theater and was told to butch up. Right. I was too effeminate. Right. And constantly negative feedback about that stuff. So that I was just always full of shame. Right. And as a young kid, up and through puberty, always mistaken for a girl, Mm. which is part of my new show. Which is like, I could wear boy clothes, have a boy haircut, and they'd still go, What's your daughter's name? You know, in front of my parents. I'd be like, Oh, God. So, um,. For that reason, you were beautiful. Yeah, exactly. But drag for me was a way to uh, embrace, embrace that, embrace right, and and to sort of just, huh. I guess, in the rebellious way, say, "Fuck you! This is right. who yeah, I am. This, this is, is who I right. enjoy to be. I want to express myself." I remember having to go through this cosmetic overhaul when we left uh, San Francisco, where I was born, and we moved to the Deep South. And I had this long hair, and I, like you, I was routinely mistaken for a girl. And I would wear long, baggy sweaters with Disney characters on them. And I would just, because I was coming from this really liberal, hippie environment. And then I remember how not okay that was when we got to New Orleans, right. and I had to get the haircut and the rat tail and the clothes. I, I, I was dressed in what I wear today, you know, polo shirt, right. jeans, that's it. And you in a form. way, that was drag yeah. I mean right. that was, was you new, having totally. to create yeah. a new character and 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 for me uh putting on the clothes when I first started taught me a wonderful lesson about life in general that crosses gender borders and and you know everything that I think every human being should understand is that a lot of people fall into role playing here right of uh, this is my life I'm 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 a father I'm a mother I'm this I'm that and you have all these roles and they forget that you're actually here to create who you want to be. Right. And that is such a like anything's possible. Right. And drag taught me that again that I am, I am the one that has to create the life that I want and who I want to be and how I want people to perceive me when I walk in the room. Right. And and it, it was a yeah. wonderful liberating experience. So right. in that way, it it's if that's rebellious, then I guess. It is, well, but it's revolutionary. It, I, for me, it was just like, it, and I mean it in the most positive. Yeah, way, yeah, no, I do. So you know, like, yeah, it was a rebellion, but on another level, it was just really. Um, it, it, it was. It was for me to heal. It was, free, it was celebration. Yeah. Celebration. Yeah, yeah, celebration. yeah, that's a lovely yeah. way. Because to it's 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 always been inspiring to watch the way drag performances bring gay and straight audiences together. Yeah. And I think it's because of what you're describing. It is that that inspirational message of self creation yeah. and creating what is authentic to yourself. That's and I did a, I did this thing the other night where I was uh, on a panel with this very conservative 
right wing guy. Oh yeah, who yeah, was it? I don't. Oh, I hit you. Wiped Mike, his name. Mike, something magic. Oh, magic Mike. Is that his <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I'm anyway, blanking. I'm, I'm blanking. But anyway, he actually liked me a lot because um, rather than just being like, you know, fuck you, you're an, a right wing asshole. Right. I listened to what he had to say, and we had a conversation. Right. And I think that's a lot about drag too. Is that we're we're just more like, you know, everyone come to the party, and but. And I think that's what's missing in today's uh, dialogue with politics and whatnot is that mm-hmm. people are have chosen their sides, right? And you know, and I'm guilty okay. of it too sometimes. But I think it, it's so much more effective to really just um, and everybody gets to have the opinion that they want. Yeah, to have. and I really, I mean, I can think that you're an asshole, but it, it was it was just a really it yeah. was a wonderful Where was experience the for what me. Was the, what, what, I was, was filming the a pilot. Oh, I see. Yeah. And, oh, neat. Yeah. Fantastic. Very exciting. Yeah, well, you'll have exciting. to keep us posted yeah. and come back to promote it's it. Not if it my, it's if it not gets my show. Up. I'm just one of the regulars, I guess. Yeah, if it cool. Well, regular correspondent. Yeah. yeah, I love that. When my mother comes on the show, she talks a lot about this new culture of trying to shut other people down for having an opposite opinion, <laughs> just like I sort of almost shut my mic down. You're right there. But, you know, that, <laughs> it's, and it's very, like, social media driven, I think, now. Like, let's report them for having a different political opinion than us, yeah. you know? And there is something to be said about that. I mean, we've always said on this show that we would be polite to it. If Sarah Palin was sitting where you were sitting. Like, she gets to think what she wants. I don't have to right. agree exactly. with her. Exactly, and we'll just laugh behind her back to... when she leaves. In yeah, our absolutely. sketches, Maybe all in front bets of her are face. Exactly. Our, the sketches that right. are playing, yeah, Totally absolutely. different if I want to make fun of somebody. But yeah, like, it's the whole thing with the gay marriage. Like, if you don't want, if you don't think I should be married in your church, fine, I won't get married in your church. I don't have to. You don't get to decide what I get to do in my life, but at your church... You get to make whatever rules you want to make at your church. Like, I don't want to infringe on somebody else's rights any more than I want them to infringe on mine. I think that sort of acceptance right. has to be a part of, and God knows it has to be a part of the the drag world, the but dragosphere. I, somebody from the, the page actually wants to know about your opinion about... RuPaul's some, Drag Race. Oh. What do you think of RuPaul's Drag Race? You know... I know RuPaul, and she is lovely so and so fabulous and so funny. And I, I watched the show simply to hear her cackle. <laughs> I mean, I could just listen to RuPaul laugh, and I'm just a happy person. So I get, for entertainment reasons, why that show is important. And I also travel around the country doing my own show. And recently I did one in, uh, in Kentucky, and I met – it was a benefit for young young people there that – and and I met like eleven year olds and twelve year olds that are openly gay that have this support group, and of course they love RuPaul's Drag Race. So for that I reason, I'm happy it's on TV. Yeah. But the flip side of that is that I don't think it really um, gives drag queens who are on there the opportunity to create and show who they really are. Mm. It is a reality show, mm-hmm. so it's completely we're doing not air real. quotes here, right? Yeah, because there's nothing real about exactly. reality. Mm-hmm. And then the other bad thing that I've talked about in my show is that. Um, when I created Coca Peru in New York City, there was no internet even back then. Right. I mean, you had to create something so special to get noticed and and artistic and you had to be out there and really create and you had to 
promote yourself. You had to learn how to promote yourself. And nowadays, mm-hmm. you can go on RuPaul's Drag Race, and then they're willing to pay you ten thousand bucks to show at a club and lip sync three songs. Right, right. And it makes me feel like exactly what have I done with my exactly. life? <laughs> You've been a big star. Exactly, you've been a big star. I've been very lucky. And we'll be back. We have a report from critic at large, Jordan Ampersand, oh, and then God. we will be back for the dessert portion of the evening with the lovely Miss Coco Peru, which will be a long, uninterrupted serving of Miss Coco. So, so post your questions we're now. We're going to ask you thank what God. a monologist is. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Monologist? Yeah, people say it that way, or monologist. Monologist. We'll find out more about that when we return, but in the meantime, here's Jordan Ampersand. Hey, Huckers, it's me, Jordan Ampersand, critic at larger for the Dinner Party Show, coming to you from outside of the movie theater at The Grove here in beautiful Los Angeles. Eric is off somewhere being loud and old, and today I'm joined for a summer movie roundup by my best friend Fitzpatrick. Caterpillar salad dressing. Okay, and my new best friend, uber fun stylist to the people who walk on the same sidewalks as stars, Natasha. Feel my fame. <laughs> so fabulous. Thanks for joining us today, Natasha. The pleasure is all yours. She's so fun. In case you're wondering, Natasha and I met when I was buying drugs from her. So, with summer almost over, it's time to review the hits and misses of this crazy summer movie season. So, Fitzpatrick, what was your favorite movie this summer? Hmm, I love the one of the orange people from Japan. Okay, Pacific Rim. I love that one, too. Charlie Hunam was in it, and in the beginning, he had to go inside of his hot brother's mind to drive a giant robot. It was kind of like, what if gay porn from Eastern Europe had a big budget? I don't think that's what he meant, Jordan. I think he's just high and crazy. Okay, we'll give him something to make him uncrazy because I need him to do this segment. Let me check my purse. Thank you. Anyway... If you've been following my reports on the Dinner Party Show, you're well aware that I declared Man of Steel to be a hate crime because its star, Henry Cavs, is way too hot and not apparently gay. In this supposedly more enlightened time of gay marriage and Katy Perry and Lady Gaga leaking their singles in the same weekend, I don't think it's acceptable to have your movie star be unable to sleep with his gay audience. So sorry, Man of Steel, but it's 2013, not 20 mean. Also, Elysium, whatever, Matt Damon, super hot as always. Take a shower before you do your next movie. Gross. Here, Crazy Fitzpatrick, take this. Mmm, I'm telling a feeling shame. How long did it take to work? Instantly. All right, Natasha, what about your movie picks for the summer? I don't go see movies. I am movies. There's a movie in my heart, there's a movie in my head, and there's even a better movie in my vagina, if you give me a job. Um, can we not talk about vaginas so that our friendship will stay fun? Movies emanate from my soul, and I live inside of them all the time. There's no need for me to see them outside of myself. I am Natasha. I contain multitudes. Like that poem by the dead gay guy with the beard. Okay, Fitzpatrick. Jordan, I'm percent. I submit to you that despite your shallow indictment of it, earlier this summer, Star Trek Into Darkness is a work of sterling cinematic craftsmanship, which deserves a second look from your jaundiced eye. 
the fuck? What did you give him? It's a new drug from Mexico. Well, clearly nobody's taking it there. That's so racist, Jordan. Aren't you Russian? I've abandoned ethnicity. I'm not feeling heard. Um, Fitzpatrick, this is kind of a first for us. I'm not sure I'm ready to hear what you're actually feeling. What I'm feeling is that the movie industry is currently beset by a fanboy culture that resorts to bullying when its slavish devotion to source material isn't adhered to by Hollywood filmmakers. We must at some point concede that when franchises like Star Trek are rebooted, that it is the job of the filmmakers to incorporate new elements which will reach new and younger segments of the audience, thereby introducing them to the central and possibly immortal themes embedded in the work itself. Whatever, I just thought it was stupid because I couldn't pronounce that guy's name. Barner's salute happens now. It's Benedict Cumberbatch, you puerile, coke-snorting moron. Natasha, give him something that will make him vomit now. Seriously, we are on thin here. I don't know what Pure Island means, but it doesn't sound like a place I want to visit for very long. It means childishly silly or trivial. Oh, that's not so bad. Wait, I hate children. They're annoying. Indeed, annoying is the perfect word to describe this preposterous movie roundup composed of a little more than your shallow, hormone-driven dismissals of various films you can barely remember anything about thanks to Natasha and her sequin purse of delights. Be as smug as you'd like, Jordan Ampersand, but when one is provided with a microphone and a platform to deliver one's voice to a wider audience, there is a responsibility there, a responsibility to ensure that one's opinions are informed by something other than an insatiable hunger for the pornographic. Is something gonna pop out of his stomach? Not with this drug, no. I have had enough, dear friends. All of a sudden, I am possessed by a desire for a rich and expansive dialogue about our popular culture, one that takes into account the positive communal effects of large Hollywood films and treats them with the same regard as we currently hold for past forms of popular entertainment, such as Shakespeare plays or public murals. This must begin here and now at the Grove, where the great crowds of summer are still assembled. I am Fitzpatrick. Let it begin with me. <laughs> A curse on both your houses. Fun, why do you have I work with some strange people. Will he ever be normal again? It should wear off by the time he's conscious again. Should we just leave him here? No. Let's put him on the trolley, and then he can ride back and forth until he wakes up. That sounds like a fun way to regain consciousness. Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we're the hosts of The Dinner Party Show. Our show is free across a variety of platforms. To listen live every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, head to thedinnerpartyshow.com and click on the black radio icon at the top left corner of the screen. And when we're not doing a live show, our player streams several of our most recent episodes for your continuous enjoyment. A podcast of The Complete Show posts to iTunes and the show archive on our website, 
it the day after the show debuts. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a good review if you like what you hear. For faster, easier downloading, we now include the entire show in a single podcast. Just look for our mono version on iTunes and in our show archive. But for those who would like to enjoy the best sound quality, we still post our show in four segments, all in stereo. Subscribers should click the iTunes setting Get All Episodes to make sure all versions of the show are downloading automatically. If you're already subscribed and happy with your downloads, you don't need to change a thing. You don't have to be stuck in front of your computer to enjoy our live shows or our stream. We have mobile apps available for both Android and Apple devices that allow you to open our player anywhere you are in the world. In other words, you just can't get away from us. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we've taken away all your excuses not to listen to The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Quinn, and our guest is Coco Peru. <laughs> <laughs> We're still dragstruck here in the dining room. It's just amazing. It's so glamorous here. I, I have to wear shades. <laughs> I think part of the reason we're drag struck is because you're also such an excellent storyteller and we're both writers. And we were talking earlier about, I think, did I get the term wrong? Monologist or monologist? I think or? both are, are correct. And right. you're asking someone who was brought up in the Bronx. So. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm going with whatever you want to go with. <laughs> I, I, I accused her of just being a good diplomat. <laughs> right, exactly. But tell us, tell us what it means, really. I love telling stories, and I grew up, as I said, in the Bronx around a lot of very funny people. Mm-hmm. I now realize that most of them were alcoholics, but they were funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Still funny. And Still uh, funny. I, oh, I preferred being around adults as a kid. So um, when I decided to come out and I wanted to create, and also the AIDS epidemic was really uh, you know, big in New York at the time, ACT UP, I wanted to also be an activist. And I thought, how can I like combine all of these things? And I just started writing monologues and thought, I'll tell autobiographical stories, but I'm going to do them in drag. And it all just, and it was, I just knew that it was all going to work out. Mm, mm. And, um, but I think, you know, if people, like, because even I just did the show in Vancouver, and that's what people coming up to me, like, they were saying how all of a sudden, like, the whole audience just became one. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, the art of storytelling is to make a group of people feel like they're just one big ball of energy. Mm-hmm. And especially in today's world where everybody's so isolated because they're right. texting or they're checking their, they're checking their updates and all that. Uh, it can be very depressing. Right. And I don't think people even realize how depressed they are with all of this stuff. Right. So to have that moment where you just come together and you become this one, like I said, ball of energy is mm. can be really powerful. When you were starting, were there any other drag performers that you looked up to that were inspiring? Uh, well, I was inspired early on by Charles Bush. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. yes I had gone to see A Lady in Question, and I could not believe what I was seeing. It, you know, it just, I was, I felt so alive watching it. And at the time, my boyfriend at the time turned to me and said, during the show, you can do this. 
And I remember <laughs> I went like this. <gasps> like I was so offended because I felt like I had been caught. You know, I still had, I still wasn't accepting that I'm a feminine. I was supposed to be butch and, you know, right. and, and, and um, but I knew on some level he was right and it got me thinking. And, and Charles Pierce was another one that uh, I loved. Yeah. Yeah. These were, and, yeah. Uh, and I started, I just started writing. And I don't know about you, but I find writing to be torturous sometimes. I mean, it's, oh for me, God. it is just hell to discipline myself to sit down every day in front of that blank screen. The basis of our friendship is talking to each other on the phone going, go back in there and get back to work. Yeah, go write some yeah, more. Sure. You're not yeah. done writing. It write is, that book. Finish yeah. that book so we can go to lunch. And Hurry it, up. It is amazing the level of problems I can manufacture to avoid writing that book. <laughs> right, you know, I know. Oh, my like, God. No, you don't understand what they said on Facebook. No, we got to talk about this right. some more. This one comment from a straight, you know. I'm like, I'm not falling for up. it. Make anything, and ever. then I do it. And then we do all you do, it. do you ever like? Because that's what I'll do. I'll write a monologue, and then I and then it's like rewriting and rewriting oh, and rewriting. Yeah. And, and then because I have to speak them, I realize as I start to rehearse it that if I for, keep forgetting one line, I think, well, there's a reason why that line maybe shouldn't be in there, so I re-edit <laughs> it. And then you go back and read the original, and you think, oh dear God, this that that first version was so awful. What <laughs> if I had actually performed that version? <laughs> Like I start yeah. playing all these tricks. I never right. do that yeah. one. That's a new one yeah. on me. I've never gone back. I have to have the rule that I may not edit at all until I'm finished writing. Oh, yeah. because I will crawl up my ass mm-hmm. if I start changing, tinkering while I'm going. I never get five right. lines into it because I'll just keep writing yeah. the first five lines over and over again. It's like and now then you have you're to in be shining. done, right? And then it's right. yeah, all work yeah. and no play makes Eric. <laughs> Absolutely insane. No, I it, like I needed help. Like I needed work for that. Well, I, I I do start every writing day by reading over what I wrote before, and you do too, right? If you're working on a novel, I will allow myself that. Yeah, I, on a bigger work, right. I will allow myself to read what I wrote the day before, but that's it. Right, and I will scrub it up a little bit. Yeah. I'll clean it up. But it's, it's a fine or line. Words or, it is mm-hmm. like Eric is saying. It's a fine line. You can walk in and suddenly you're redoing this whole scene just because you've read a review of somebody else's book that morning in the paper and you're mm-hmm. imagining what that reviewer is going to think of it. You know, it's amazing the things we do. Like, we're daydreamers. That's what we are. The act of getting those daydreams down onto the paper, that's the writing. Right. And that's the rarefied skill that we're always honing and concentrating on, I and, think. And I do appreciate when people come to see my show and they talk about my writing mm-hmm. because because I'm speaking it I'm I'm making it sound like everyday kind of talk this is off the top of my head of and I'm, I make uh, mistakes with my English and the Bronx right. accent so it doesn't come across sometimes as writing mm-hmm. but it really oh, it, it really is. is written and in fact my manager was sitting one day uh, when I did the brand new show and he was reading through the script as I was performing it and his young friend was sitting behind him, and he realized as he was reading along, he goes, oh, my God, she's doing this word for word. Because <laughs> you know, it just sounds like I'm up there right. bullshitting. Yeah, because that's, right. that's part of the exactly. talent is it's actually making it sound like you're yeah. just, yeah, that's yeah. actually part of the game, yeah. I think there's a confusion in that. People often, I think even with actors, confuse that, like, they didn't actually think of these things. They're right. great at saying them, right. but they're so good at saying them that they, it seems like they're thinking of it as they're going along. But really, somebody wrote it all down. I think it's the great misunderstanding of reality television and all yeah. of that stuff is, like, the genius is in the writing. The, that's the beginning of everything. There wouldn't right. be TV or movies or any of it. 
Well, the extent to which some of those reality shows are written through editing is becoming clearer and clearer as we go on. I remember having a friend who worked on some reality show about wrestling that I don't even think really went on. To I'm sorry, say, wrestling. wrestling? That, my, was my that was the Deep South Whoop. coming right. out. Right, little New that Orleans was, seeped oh, out oh, there. Little Varla Jean <laughs> came wow. out. Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah. Um, Spray cheese. And they said they had all the footage in and now they had to write it. Because yeah. they didn't like what they had, so they were going to re-edit it all together to tell a completely different story than what it actually well, Yeah, I've unfolded. done some things, and they yeah. actually will tell you, say this. Yeah, and right. It, you're like, what? I thought this was, no. Yeah, and I think that's my challenge with unscripted stuff, is that it's really just bad writing. It's the same thing with, uh, forgive me, a lot of memoir and a lot of that sort. It's like, this is really just you not being good enough to actually write a fiction mm. novel. Like it's... When you have to put it all together, the arc of an actual life doesn't often make for an interesting narrative in concert. I think if you peel little pieces out of it, it can be very meaningful, but... You know, otherwise you're just writing a series of essays and publishing them all together. I don't know how I would do it. I'm such a, I so look at the structure of the story I want to tell first mm. that the idea of being confined by the march of the actual years of my life seems kind of overwhelming to me. <laughs> you know, I don't know how I would pull it off. I would want to start, like, I do that thing that drives you crazy where you start in the action and then go back and then catch oh, oh, up. God, I hate that. 24 <laughs> hours earlier. Oh God, really? So you're going to tell me the ending at the beginning because then I have nothing to wait for. Terrific. Right. So I compromised in my last book. I started halfway through and then caught you back up. Anyway, that, whatever. That helps. I made the interview about that me helps. again. Drink if you're at home. That's part of the drinking game. And I went I to the bathroom. So yeah, there's that. So do you, does, do your stories, do your monologues reflect your own life experience? Yeah, they're all auto, they're autobiographical. So everything all, is, everything's autobiographical. it's all true out it's there. It's all true. And in fact, People come to me afterwards, and you know, I mention, "Oh, my husband! This is my husband, Raphael." If he happens to be at a show, and they go, "That's real," they right. they they really do believe I'm making up all this stuff, which just bothers me. I, you know, I, why do you think that is? Is it because they think, "Oh, it's a character"? It's a character. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah. I guess, and I guess there is some advantage. One of the few, one of the many brilliant things that the drunken whore said when we were <laughs> doing the books together was she said she chose to do, oh yeah, okay. The fuck are you doing? I always have to play that when you say that. Um, is that the reason that she wanted to do the books that we did as fiction was so she could tell the truth. She yeah. said she felt like people who were telling, doing uh, memoirs were restricted mm-hmm. by the fact that they were telling the truth. And whereas well, if you're fictionalizing it, if, you can yeah. say, well, who and, knows and actually, what's the truth? I, I also believe that when you're writing fiction, you are touching on, you're, you're telling the truth on some level of, right. of these universal truths through these characters. I mean, you know, even though it's fiction, you're, you're touching on, I you're think bringing that's out the, the brilliance truth. of yeah. fiction for me yeah. is it's a heightened reality that reveals the truth way better than just telling exactly. me a real story. Like if real life was interesting, we would. And that's books one of the reasons I, drag I did it. In the first I place. did my stories in drag because right. I realized that there was something uh, more truthful that people would be able to. I think if I did it as a boy, people would say, "Shut the fuck up." Mm, that's interesting. They wouldn't care. It would but seem self-indulgent. It would maybe. seem self-indulgent, yeah. right? And I hate. Self-indulgence, right? Even though that's what I do so maybe for you a living, would chase it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was aware of that. I was aware of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Now it creates a great platform to yeah. still tell your truth, even though it's. And if you need to embellish because it is a character, you can yeah. to for the purposes of humor, or whatever, which is also good storytelling. And I know you were both fans uh, of Girls Will Be Girls. Oh, oh God. God. such big fans, huge fans. In fact, we have questions I about when two is l- coming. When's the sequel? Laugh about the. Um, 
in the movie, uh, when we brought that to Sundance, people in the business, of course, came to see it, and, and the theater was packed, and uh-huh. literally droves of people walking out, mostly women, During who then the went and posted how offended they were by my abortions in the movie. Oh, they huh. thought that was horrible. That a, uh, a character, my character, was going to was going and getting pregnant on purpose so she could go to the doctor to try and find the doctor she was in, and so having all these abortions. But what was funny to me was that Richard Day, who wrote it, mm-hmm. the whole movie is fiction. It, all of his out of his insane brain, right. except that part. <laughs> he actually knew a woman that did that. Oh my <laughs> That's God. what kills me. God, I love Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, I love it. I remember it's we went to see that city. movie at the Sunset Five. You. In LA. On a whim, we did. Oh my did. God! The two Another people that ours, went, we went we, shrieking, we went insane. We loved it. I was <laughs> love that movie. Lost yeah, we it. want the sequel. When is? When I have is, no idea. I have okay. no idea. Richard Kickstarter, right? Yeah, <laughs> Richard did a Kickstarter. He wrote and directed it, but this time there was no crew. All the crew were fans that wanted to just to be there on the set with right. us and hang out, and they're wow. mixing their holes in a mic or whatnot. Yeah, and uh, I have no idea what the movie's about. It was so fast and so you just crazy. Hit your mark, and I that was, was doing all. my mark yeah. and acting and doing it all. And right. I, um, but I know Richard uh, did a lot in front of a green screen. Oh, and for that reason, I think he bit off more than he could chew oh. because he has to edit it now. Okay. Right, and he has to do all that green screen. Right, he has stuff. to put in something. So back that there. takes time. You could and be money. invading Tokyo like Godzilla. Exactly. You don't know with the yeah, green like screen. a big part of it takes place in a big science fictiony. Oh, that's thing. fantastic! Uh, my first encounter with you was Trick, mm-hmm. the movie Trick, and we have someone on Which one we've of talked our about. party people, Christopher Ott, is asking about Trick. If you have any fond memories of that shoot, and of course, he wants to know about the actor J.P. Peacock. Ooh, Christopher Ott. I think I know him. Is he might be a Facebook friend? I'm not sure. Uh, he may well yes. be. We have our party people who listen live and interact with us on our Facebook Great. page, and he's one um, of them. Mutual I, friends. God, what do I know about Trick? Uh, well, he likes JP, obviously, so mm-hmm. I can tell a story about JP. Uh, Go for it. Go yeah. for it. We were sitting in some... They were doing the diner scene, I guess, and it was very light, and he hadn't done the scene where he's in a G-string. So he, he said, he he's a bit of an exhibitionist, or he was back then, and he said, um, I don't know which G-string to wear. They gave me all these options. Which one do you think I should wear? So, of course, I was like... I'll this take over here from here now. Right. You should right. model them exactly. for me, Ex- That's exactly what I said. I Good said, call. We can't That's tell what they look like unless you model them right. for us. <laughs> so he came out and modeled them for us, and he was so beautiful. And they, the, his nickname in the movie is Beer Can, and it, it was accurate. Wow. Okay. It was just hot. And then we made the movie. It got accepted into Sundance, and we went to the uh, thing together. The premiere. And they put us up in a chalet. Oh. And the... One of the producers and myself were in the little um, overlook, overlooking the uh, the loft, the, part. the loft part, overlooking yeah. the living room. Uh-huh. And JP had the couch, and JP said that night, "I don't know if this you would mind, but I sleep in the nude. <laughs> That'll be okay. We're going to be all right. With <laughs> so that. we're going to be fine with it. I will sleep peacefully. Not be a don't worry. So JP's so the entire day, life is exactly, a series of porn exactly. Setups. So okay. the next day, we woke up, the producer and I, and I was like, "Get out of here." We like peer over the edge and he's literally laying there with his arms behind his back uh-huh. and the sheet just just above 
the wow. pube line, you know? Yeah. It was beautiful. And I literally stood up there going, you know, blowing. <laughs> <laughs> trying to blow the sheet off of them. Was it like a circus tent? Oh, it was beautiful. No, it wasn't. Oh, it no wasn't. morning treat. No, no morning treat. But um, he's a lovely guy. We're still friends, and he still comes to see all of my shows. Well, that's wonderful. Does he sleep over a lot? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You know, actually, he's straight and married and has two kids now. Oh, oh. yeah. So then you really have to stop. Yeah, <laughs> I have to stop. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, to, yeah but still lovely. Doesn't stop news, him being lovely. Christopher Ott has unliked our Facebook page now that we've told him JPP Talk is straight. Did oh, he no. really? No, I'm just oh, kidding. oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. People do things like that, <laughs> though. It's do. like being back in high school. I know, I'm right? I'm going to you. I know, right? I'm going to punish you, yeah. even though you didn't know who I was the exactly. day before. Yeah. We also have a question Is your hair an homage to Ginger from Gilligan? Island. No, it's not. Um, my hair is an homage to laziness. <laughs> <laughs> I had a big wig years ago when I first started. Very Anne Margaret big. Uh-huh. And I uh it was such a bitch to take care of. And oh it was expensive. God. And yeah. it was then and then I had a my a friend was doing it free and I always felt guilty and uh so I just decided I need something easy and something I can do on my own. And that's how just this... throw it in the washing yeah, and machine. This is and... I also love silhouettes. And there was something about... I always loved Coco being this like line, you know, just very mm-hmm. straight, not mm-hmm. over the top, nothing big. So um, I created this and I just stuck with it. But there was one evening when I was friends years ago with Liza Minnelli and I was invited to her opening night of Victor Victoria. Oh my God. And um, I was sitting there in the audience. Also the closing night? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pleading the fifth. But I was sitting there and I turn around and Tina Louise, I went in drag. Oh my God. Tina Louise was sitting behind me. Oh my God. And the audience can't see me, but she did one of those like little rascals, like, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like she was looking at a mirror. Yeah. And um and well anyway that was that. Oh yeah. the places you've been and the things oh, that you've yes, done. Oh yes. Coco. My Tina Louise reference is that her daughter Caprice Crane is now a very talented writer and she's one of these Twitter comedians. She's got 100,000 followers on Twitter and she has a book coming out. She's actually going to be a guest on our show soon. Um, but she and I did an event together and she told a story that said why people ask her, why do you write? And she said, well, I wanted to act, but I didn't want to do it in front of other people. <laughs> And That's I have a really good that answer. Line until we did the show, and yeah. I started acting in front of other people. So really, people would but know was. I was lying if I ever said that. Yeah, so I you can't steal just that line. are always. Like, in front I always of other want people. to be in front of other people. Yeah, I maybe not in a G string, but you know, if I had to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about Provincetown. I just, I'm in love with Provincetown. The whole, it seems so like from another era. And I, I know it was a pain in the butt for you to go out and and, and flyer, as they call it, for your show. But everybody's out there doing it. And it just, it's so. Oh, it is. It's I'm a looking circus. for the right word It is a complete it. circus out been. there. I went to, I think I missed You've your show. You've never been? No. Oh, it's wonderful. I don't know if he could years. handle the bikes. Everybody's on bikes. <laughs> oh. Well, if I but wasn't there's, there's to more, drive, there's more people oh, no. walking, running over you, no, and there's no the the cars the bike really zipping around you. Yeah, I don't care. You don't want to drive out the, there. Yeah, but the no. but if they're if they buzz you, that's they the one. You. It's the bicyclist. That oh, the pedicabs. Bing 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 bing. Oh, and the and the bikes too. Because but they have pedicabs. You could ride in a pedicab. Oh, okay. Well, then and have someone else push. You know, ride the bike for you. Then I wouldn't be. Yeah. And they're always like these cute young guys that are riding the pedicab. Even better. The bikes are all being ridden. He just doesn't want me to go to Provincetown. No, I do, but I want you to be able to accept the bikes. You're the guy that says, if you know that the world is going to end, do you want me to tell that story on the air? (laughs) There's not going to be a rash for announcement for next week. We'll keep that for you. We have one minute left. Okay, well then I have one last question I'd like to ask. Okay. 
how is your friend Clinton? Me? Yeah. Oh, I'm great. Yeah. Like I said, I was just in Spain for six weeks on a on a naked beach. <laughs> I can't Life's really complain. Good. I have a good life. That's yeah, great. That's just wonderful. just wanted to check in with Clinton, Thank too, you. also. Yeah, as part you. of the overall. Uh, and we want to remind everyone, as we were just saying, you're going to start your show in Provincetown in a few weeks? Yeah, I'm go- week actually going to Rhode Island. Uh, okay. on the, I'll be there on the 20, uh, 25th. Right. And then uh, 25th or 26th, I think it's the 25th. And then well, I start posted, on the 28th right? at uh, the Crown and Anchor. Absolutely. For eight shows. And Girls Will Be Girls is available for sale in our store. Uh, and on our the website. So go to our website if you want to uh, check out the movie. And we'll ask you to stay so we can get a picture with you Absolutely. after the show. We'll just do a little brief wrap-up. It's time for another installment in our special PSA series, Best Served Warm. Did you know that Honey Boo Boo is here to do this this week? Let's see what Honey Boo Boo oh, has my to God, say. And- Thank you, Coco. Thanks, Coco. (laughs) And now, in keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is. Best served warm. Good evening. I'm Honey Boo Boo. Millions of you know me as the portly and crass little girl who went from being a sideshow on toddlers and tiaras to an emblem of everything that makes people feel superior to the American South. I'd just like to assure you that I am, in fact, an actress. My name is Lena Fitzgerald. I'm 37 years old, and I graduated from Juilliard. And just like the actor Emmanuel Lewis, I've remained incredibly short into my adulthood without any reasonable medical explanation. All this is to say that for those of you who may be distressed by the depictions of small towns Southern Life on display and here comes Honey Boo Boo. Rest assured, the show is entirely fake and scripted by a room full of gay men in Hollywood who all escape from the Deep South at a pivotal age and harbor a deep, simmering resentment of the place. Rest assured, when the actresses who play my sisters and I are done pretending to birth 11-fingered babies or pretending that lathering ourselves in margarine and pushing ourselves around the kitchen was actually our idea or whatever other tomfoolery plays to your prejudices about those who live below the Mason-Dixon line. We retire to our residential apartments and spend our evenings enjoying masterpiece mystery and discussing the latest style choices of Michelle Obama. So remember, if something on television seems too wretched to be true, it most likely is. I'm Honey Boo Boo, and this is Best Served Warm. What Th- the that hell? That was my jam. Have we been hacked? Air Shaw Quinn, that was my jam. You don't like that song? I, I just wonder <laughs> if he if he did a cover of um, Teen Titans. <laughs> <laughs> that, in case you were wondering, if you uh, ever watched the show Webster, uh, which was and on I in never the did. 80s, you didn't. It was sort of a different stroke spinoff. Emmanuel Lewis was the, t- the pint-sized star who Honey Boo Boo incidentally referenced in her Best Served Warm. I thought it would be a good idea to dig up his long-forgotten Japanese hit single and share it with our party people here at the who dinner party show. Who had a Japanese hit single? He sure fucking did, isn't Wasn't that? he big friends with Michael Jackson, yeah, too? Yeah, he was. Well, that's and disturbing. It, I hate you to know, think about that what that means. We shouldn't talk about that. But yeah, okay, that is his hit single that. available for sale for $600 a download in our store. No, I'm just kidding. It's not available for that. 
Wow, I feel that was such a, a moving and profound. I interview. just love Coco. I, we, we were so such a wonderful truck. contribution to the community, and 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 an intentional one. I I have to say, in my own heart, I've had the same thought. Like I hope that in the way that we talked about when Patricia Nell Warren was here, in the mm-hmm. way that she reached out to me, I wanted to reach out to other people through my work to say it's okay and you're not alone, and and the bravery of Coco's choice to to make the performance a part of that activism. Absolutely. I just think is a brilliant sort of Absolutely. very moving kind of a lot of work with anti-bullying campaigns, which we didn't get into, but which I think is we really could have done a whole show with yeah. Coco. We really could. And maybe we will one of these days. Another one. Absolutely. So um, it's been, you know, I guess an hour since I've reminded people that I have a book coming out on October. Really? <laughs> you do? What's it called, Christopher? It's called The Heavens Rise, and it's my first supernatural thriller, and we're doing a pre-order giveaway. Oh, my goodness. Really? It's already available? I can buy it now? You can buy it now. You will receive it on October 15th. But if you buy it now and if you send your receipt or a screen capture of your purchase to this address, get a pen, get a pen, get a pen, theheavensrise at gmail.com, you will receive a hand-signed copy of an original manuscript page featuring author notes like, this is shit, and why did I write this, and my career is over, and get me some Xanax. Christopher, Christopher, my big question is, is there a place on the internet where I can go to find out details about this I'm so glad you asked, Eric Shaw Quinn. I have launched a Facebook page for the book, facebook.com, in case you you, you were just born, slash theheavensrise, and I'm going to say it even though you make fun of me with no spaces or periods in the heavens rise. I know I learned my lesson the last time. I'm not saying that again. And I would also like to say just as a, a completely uninvolved and impartial observer that it actually helps Christopher out if you advance purchase the book. So if you were going to get it anyway, get it now. Yeah, let me explain to people in case you're wondering a little peek behind the curtain here, which we do a lot of because we got a lot of curtain here at the dinner party <laughs> and show. And a lot of peeking. A lot of peeking. Um, in this increasingly digital age, publishers care more and more about the pre-order from from retailers because those are you know there are less bookstores now and books less bookstores order less books in advance so the old way of sort of advance orders determining the fate of the book and the marketing position of the book that's not really how it works anymore so if there's a book you're really excited and passionate about the best thing you can do for that author is to is to pre-order it from somewhere and so, and I'm not like just talking about Amazon. I'm talking about your local bookstore. Anywhere that you're in the habit of buying books from, we'll place a pre-order for you of some sort. Yeah. So it's also a good way to support your local. Oh, oh fuck! My God. Yeah. I thought we fixed this. Well, at least Coco isn't here to see this. All right. That's just about. You get back from there. It's a cat. Why is there always a cat? They are the worst dance troupe ever. I think the cat is like an insurance. Oh. Was it my idea that we should have a dance troupe? Yes, it was. Well, then, you know, it was probably a better idea than this. Maybe it was just a dance. More rehearsal. That's what we need. More rehearsal and don't be drunk. Get out. All right, that's it. I just bought that. We will be back next week, I hope, without the restless leg dancers. In the meantime... I'm Christopher Wright. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you have been listening to What's Left of the Dinner Party Show. Thanks.
I've been to a marvelous party. 